podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No breaks, no breaks, no fear, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Hello and welcome to what will be the final episode of No Breaks, No Fear for 2023 as we round up everything that happened at British Speedway's AGM at the time of recording this a week ago. And we've got a representative of both the Championship and the Premiership from the Board of Directors of the BSPL. I'm pleased to say that Chris Louie joins us, representing, of course, the Ipswich Witches in the Sports Insure Premiership, and from the Cab Direct Championship, Danny Ford, also, of course, of the Pool Pirates, discussing their respective leagues and the things that we can expect to see in 2024. All on the way on No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. I'm Ian Brannan. Lots to discuss from the AGM in 2023 as preparations begin for 2024. We've got teams departing, teams coming in to the top level of Speedway and a change in how things look at the National Development League level. Youth development as a whole is a key topic with all Premiership and Championship clubs signing up to do their bit to help the progression of young talents in British Speedway. Changes to points limits in both leagues in the Premiership going up and in the championship coming down slightly and uh, also we've got one or two other changes which will come into play when we get into the meetings uh, change the way that the starts are done the starting gates and how the tapes are going to go up um, looking at the facilities the eight day rule guests particularly when it comes to the final parts of uh, the various competitions uh, they're changing as well uh, change the transfer window and there's some testimonials in there as well which uh, certainly will be something uh, on the agenda for the pool Pirates when we speak to Danny Ford in a little while. First of all, let's start by talking about the Sports Insure Premiership and I'm very pleased to say that Chris Louie, one of the board directors of the BSPL but also of course um, man at the top of the Ipswich Witches joins us and uh, there was no secret made that this was a big AGM this year, lots needed discussing and uh, it was a very big and busy three days for you all. Um, yeah, I think it's an important few days um, every every year, to be honest. But um, yeah, you know, it was obviously a, a sort of consolidating, um, in particular the, the the Premiership, but both leagues really. Um, obviously, losing two clubs, um, as you alluded to, with with Peterborough and Wolverhampton. Um, you know, the news coming um, midterm last year uh, for for both clubs, and um, you know that that rocked us really, to be honest. Um, you know, Peterborough. Um, had been sort of bubbling up underneath the surface for a while. They, uh, you know, Keith Chapman in particular had obviously been battling very hard to, to keep Peterborough running. Um, and in the end, obviously, uh, you know, the, the lure of development and things that's, that's just happened in the past has been too strong. Um, but, uh, you know, both both Wolverhampton and Peterborough um, are actively seeking um, land and, and stadia to, to, to be able to, to come back to British Speedway and, and of course, we, we wish them the best of luck with that. And, and we will, you know, as a board and as a sport, we will support them. And I'm sure they're getting a lot of support from from their fans. Um, you know, the Wolverhampton one was was an absolute shock, um, uh, obviously, to us, not least of all to, to um, Chris Van Stratton himself. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's a shame that we, we find ourselves in this position. But um, yeah, it was an AGM of consolidation and, and into the premiership. Obviously, we welcome um, Birmingham. Um, and, and Oxford, um, and, and possibly more excitingly, we welcome Workington into the Championship, which uh, for me is, is exciting. You know, it's, it's a new venue. It's something that 
um, you know, the guys have worked particularly hard on to to, uh, to to build the track, and it looks like a great track. Um, and I'll certainly be making my first visit there this year to to take in some championship speedway. So, um, you know, that's great news. But yeah, it, it was, it was uh, it's been quite a bit of work. Yeah, and on the subject of of Workington, while well, we talk about these teams that are disappearing, but you know, the, we've got these success stories as well, and showing that it can be done. And what a fantastic job the team there have done with Steve Lawson and Andrew Bain, and made this fantastic track, a track incidentally that is uh, is one meter wider than Bellevue because they can and uh, it's uh, it's going to be a great races track it's going to be fantastic to see how some of the riders who've never ridden it before go around there um, in the uh, in the championship and I don't know maybe some some bigger events there through the course of the season as well yeah I mean I've only heard good reports from people that have ridden it and obviously um, you know Steve Lawson was the man um, sort of charged with building the track and um, you know, a lot of thought has obviously gone into it and he's got a lot of experience of the new Bellevue um, having worked very closely and continues to work closely with Dan Bewley so um, yeah I think he knew before a shovel went into the ground exactly what he wanted to uh, to achieve and it, and it seems like he's uh, been quite successful. It is a tremendous venue and I was, I was there right at the end of the season for the National League Riders Championship and it is it is superb and will get better over time as well and a real racist track quite wide it's actually a metre wider than Bellevue um, just because they can and they did <laughs> so uh, there's plenty of room to race on it it's going to be tremendous to see how some of these riders will get on there who've never been there before of course at championship level and, and maybe some bigger events I'm not sure through the course of the season too um, on to the premiership then and we have well an, an old friend I suppose Oxford back at the top level of Speedway and they're operating through three leagues, which has certainly raised one or two eyebrows. I suppose we can't knock a club for wanting to do more Speedway in an era where some are doing less. Uh, 100%. You know, I, I mean, I, I've already sort of said publicly um, in, in my own piece on our own social media um, that it's disappointing that, that in, in one sense that we've got a club that um, kind of almost feels the need to, to run two professional teams. Um, but as you just alluded to, the fact that they feel that they're in a position after a, a tremendous, you know, comeback into the sport for Oxford, um, all the hard work uh, that's gone into the stadium um, and, and getting the track right and, and running two successful championship seasons um, and, and maintaining, you know, very, very good crowds. Obviously, as a club and a business, they feel that they can withstand supporting uh, two professional teams. And, and you know that in itself is is such a massive massive positive for the sport. So um, yeah, I, you know, look, it's exciting. Let's see how it goes for them, and, and I hope it you know it does does work out well for them. Birmingham, another old friend, back at the top table of British Speedway. Of course, um, it's been discussed before the race nights really dictated to them, and Monday was their night to race, and so really it was a case of, you know, it was it was the Premiership or bust really as far as Birmingham are concerned. For both Birmingham and Oxford, obviously this is going to be a, a different level of expenditure, and maybe one or two fans will have questions as to the assurances that these clubs can survive um, the, the season ahead. So when it's being discussed at the AGM, what, what checks are done to ensure that the clubs have the resources to uh, to be able to keep up at the top level of Speedway? Um, yeah, look, there's no guarantees. There never is in, in business or in, and particularly the, the business of sport. So, uh, but of course, checks have been done. A lot, lots of conversations and meetings have been had with both promotions um, in terms of, of the backing 
that they have for their clubs. Um, and of course, you know, the board have to be confident as, as confident as they can be that um, both both will will have the finances to see um, full seasons through. Um, obviously, from a business model point of view, the Oxford one is, as you said, unknown. Um, plenty of clubs have, have run, obviously, their their uh, professional team and their national development team, but but uh, nobody's tried to run two professional teams and, of course, a development team as well on top of that. So so that one is is very much an unknown, but, um, you know, lots of conversations have been had, lots of meetings have been had to to assure the board that um, the finances are there and the business model is there and um, all we can do is support that and, um, and, and, you know, wish them the best of luck. As we touched on, there were a couple of bombshells last year. Um, the clubs moving up are, are both tenants in... Greyhound stadiums and people will obviously draw comparisons. Obviously, the relationship, I think, with Oxford is much stronger than some clubs uh, between the owners and the Speedway team. But are there assurances that we're not going to have any blindside curveballs this year with, you know, these particular clubs or any clubs being turfed out of their stadiums without any notice? Uh, Yeah, well, first of all, let's just sort of... um assure everyone that, that, you know, the clubs that have been lost, particularly this year in in, um, in the case of Peterborough and Wolverhampton, neither have been the business models and, and the, the business of Speedway. You know, they, they haven't failed. It's It's been um, landlords at stadiums, either, either in the case of Peterborough with development of the land or, or in Wolverhampton with the dog company. So, um, you know, the sport... Um, isn't failing in that respect. It, it is failing in security of its stadia. That's that's obviously an issue that we clearly have um, and is clearly a problem um, for, for Birmingham going forward. They have a very good relationship with their with their landlords uh, now. That's That's been sort of um, well spoken about and developed over the last sort of six to 12 months. And um, yeah, look, you know, um, there's no guarantee of the longevity of Birmingham, but uh, certainly in the case of Nigel Tully is an extremely positive and an enthusiastic man who wants who wants to run speedway and wants it to be in the midlands and um you know maybe if if there's a couple of years left at birmingham um it gives him time to uh you know to, to look at the possibility and feasibility of, of other venues the youth development has been a big theme from the agm this year all premiership and championship clubs signing up to a new three-tier structure following those discussions there to you know give more opportunities for the youngsters to get experience that they need and bike time and track time and so on to be able to develop um this is going to be different in different places, of course. Uh, Oxford, we've spoke about, are going to be running in the National League as such, as they have done the last few years. But with all Premiership and Championship clubs becoming involved, they have choices now on how they would look to run it. So is there a look at how you think it, this is going to look, say, in, for, for Premiership sides in terms of running more second halves and and the tournaments they're going to be involved in? And, and I don't know, maybe you can give an example of, of how it's going to work for Ipswich. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's not rocket science and, and the meat is obviously sort of being put on the bones now in terms of what it will look like and, and which clubs um, are going to take on sort of which role within it. But um it's, it's minimal at the moment, but it, it is a case of encouraging and, and actually sort of demanding, actually, that every club plays some part in, in giving track time to the youngsters at all the various different tracks rather than just National League circuits, as has been the sort of case for the last few years. So, um, yeah, it's a throwback to, to the second half days in some ways um, because that is an option for, for clubs to, to run um, an amount of second half fixtures, whether that be... Uh, 
challenge fixtures um, or, or obviously uh, individual sort of racing. Um, and there's also the individual National Development League sort of Grand Prix series that's going to be run um, throughout the year, which um, is is right now sort of being being looked at by various clubs. So hopefully that that will will be enough rounds to make it you know up and down the country and, and very interesting for the lads. So yeah, look, it's it's sort of a start really. It's a small start to um, to just giving track time to the youngsters that, that need it the most. Another change this year is the removal of the restriction on the amount of extra Liga riders. Now, this can be for any nationality, but if they're riding for an extra Liga club, we can have any number of riders now uh, in any team. Previously, it was a limit of two. Um, talk to us about removing that restriction, the reason for doing it, but also people will be aware Poland have first call on a Thursday still if they have a rain off on the weekend. So if Poland come in and, and want their riders, how's that? going to work and, and what will be the situation there? Yeah, predominantly that's why um, the restriction of no more than two um, extra league riders came in was a, a, a sort of a small amount of protection um, with the agreement that we have with the PZM or, or the extra league um, to to uh, allow them to run on Thursdays if they had to rearrange a fixture and, and obviously you know with more than two it would have devastated some fixtures but um, you know it was felt that We've got a, a better uh, working relationship with the extra Liga um, and the PZM for first and second division in Poland than, than perhaps we previously had. Um, there's a little bit more dialogue going on and, and discussion uh, trying to work together. So, you know, it was felt that if we want to encourage uh, the top stars back to our leagues, then um, we needed to take away, you know, those restrictions. So, um, yeah, it, it is based on cooperation and dialogue with Poland, but. Um, I'm sure we can make it work, and, and if it means that um, you know just one team uh, fields an extra uh, top world class rider, then then you know it's doing its job. And so, will there be guest facilities if Poland do pull that in, and uh, riders have to go to Poland on a Thursday night? You're a Thursday night track. You lose Jason Doyle and Emil Saifutinov, and maybe another one. And are there are there options for you to cover that? Uh, yeah, there, w- there will be facilities. I mean, I'm biased. In my case, I don't think either of my riders can be replaced um, because <laughs> I think they're the top two in the country. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, there, there will be facilities in extreme cases, yeah. Um, another change then that maybe comes our way from Poland and certainly the Grand Prix series, and so you've seen this in action, the electronic starts. Now, this takes away the... Uh, the referee hitting the button on the tapes, in effect. The referee puts the green light on and then the time between the green light going on and the tapes rising is randomised by a computer. And this is designed to make it truly random and that riders can't second-guess what a referee's going to do. Can you explain how riders do second-guess and work it out and also how this, this system works from your experience? Yeah, look, Phil obviously has um, a lot of experience with this. Um, and, and, you know, I have an amount of experience because I'm, I'm kind of commentating over the races that they're involved in. Um, and initially I, I kind of wondered if, if there was really a good enough reason for it. Um, having seen it in practice, I believe it is absolutely the right way to go. Um, riders, um, it's instinct with riders. Um, I would say probably 75, 80% of, of certainly more than that 90, 99% of top line riders, um, as you will see in the Grand Prix, um, will try to learn a referee and every referee is different um, you know some referees are ha- have an amount of sort of randomness to their starting anyway in which case they're not really a problem some referees were easy to read I mean a rider doesn't make 
um, four or five starts in an evening. He he makes 15 or 20, depending on the meeting. He watches every race and he reads the referee every single time. And you can learn them. Um, and then that leads to you kind of second guessing what they're doing. And then that's when you're trying to, to jump a start. And that's ex exactly what we're trying to eliminate. And yeah, after the initial period when riders have got to get used to the fact that they will be different and the referee's got nothing to do with it and you can't read this machine that's just totally random, um, they will just get that out of their heads and then react to the tapes as you're seeing in the Grand Prix now. I mean, it's, it's very rare that we, or we certainly don't see as many um, people trying to anticipate the start. So it's just going to speed up the meetings. And, and for me, it's, it's, um, it's a no-brainer, really. And hopefully we'll therefore see less red lights going on straight away and all four back and all that kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. If it saves time in that respect, it's a good thing. You know, the fans want to see the racing, not not the messing around and the waiting for a restart. So, um, and, and I'm confident it will. It has done in the Grand Prix. You know, statistically, you look at it, um, there are far fewer occasions of that happening now. So um, it will have, eventually, will have the same effect on, on league racing. Another thing that Phil Morris mentioned, I think, right at the start of the season that he'd like to see was, again, from the Grand Prix and, and Poland, the, the two-minute countdown clock and for riders to be at the tapes and over the handlebars ready to go in the two minutes rather than two minutes to get yourself on the track and, and work your way around. It, was that discussed? Is that something that's, that's likely to be coming in as well? Um, yeah, it, it has been discussed a lot and it is an ongoing discussion and it is hoped um, that um, every club certainly in the premiership will will be using the clocks and they will be used in the same way that they are in grand prix and, and across the rest of europe so um, it is an ongoing discussion it's not something i confirm now but it is something that we as a league we desperately want to do okay watch this space on that one um a couple of other changes then eight day rule the eight day rule for guests isn't going to apply in playoffs meaning a club will be able to utilize the same guest were they to stage home playoff fixtures in successive weeks and um, a rider can only guest for one team throughout playoffs or indeed cup semi-finals and finals as well so um maybe maybe that rule's not going to go down well with bomber uh, i'm not sure but um it is going to I don't know, make it a bit more, I guess, easier to, to explain to, to new fans that uh, if you need a guest, that guest can remain with that club rather than go and race for the opposition the next week. Yeah, double-edged sword, that one. Um, you know, the eight-day rule for the season is there for good reason, you know, to stop someone sort of almost becoming a permanent fixture in a team because that that clearly isn't, isn't right. I mean, unfortunately, we need the use of guests, um, but they need to be restricted in, in some way. So... Um, so that remains for the season, but for the playoffs, obviously it's taken away because we only have such a limited uh, number of, of teams to choose from. It's, you know, in the case of seven, seven teams in the league, it's three that you can choose from in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, it was a happy medium to, to do away with the eight-day rule, um, but of course ensure that a rider doesn't ride for, for two teams in the playoffs because it, it's just fundamentally wrong, isn't it? It can be difficult to explain, uh, but um, I think that'll certainly make it a lot a lot clearer. Something else that's been discussed in some other interviews I've done with both Hans Nielsen and Kelvin Tatum, as I hobnob with the stars, and now yourself as well, um, talking about safety of speedway bikes, and, and they can be quite volatile to ride, the modern engine. Um, and Hans Nielsen has suggested that silencers 
could do with some modification really and that would improve things and Kelvin Tatum I spoke to him and he tends to agree and and he's said that you know he's working been working with yourself to look at ways of improving how speedway bikes handle by making some modifications to them um just to talk about that really because I think it you know it is an interesting area without necessarily losing power but it's Kelvin said the right sort of power and then maybe some ways to improve things um, yeah, it's something that um, um, more particularly myself and Kelvin, having travelled on the Grand Prix quite a bit, have spent many, um, probably far too many hours debating and boring people with, um, and and we we um, we've had long discussions with Hans. I was with Hans in Germany, um, down in Pocking, uh, for a, a celebration down there, and we we spent quite a bit of time talking about it also. So, um, yeah, I mean, certainly um, between the three of us, there's a big will to look at, at making the bikes safer. Um, you know, at the moment, the characteristics of the bikes that has been brought on by the um, the silencer change in 2010, I think it was, um, we've had a lot of discussion about it. It's something that wasn't specifically spoken about at this AGM, but ongoing talks um, started way before the AGM and continue. Um, we do have permission um, in this country to do a, a, a meeting to help us develop a product um, and, and run a different silencer in particular. But it's not just silencers. We've, we've looked at um, carburation on the bikes. We've looked at ignition systems on the bikes. We're, we're looking at, at lots of things to, to try to bring back. Um, it's just the right ability. And a lot of people that will watch Speedway won't really understand it unless you've ridden a bike. It's very difficult. And if you've only ridden, if you've come into Speedway in the last 10 years and you, you only know these silences and these characteristics of the bike, even then as a rider, you wouldn't truly understand what where we're coming from and what we're talking about. But we do feel that the, the bikes, you need to be able to shut them off. You need to be able to change direction. You need to be able to change your mind in the middle of a corner, which right now is very difficult to do the, the minute you do it the bike does something quite unpredictable and, and we see it you know we see it all of the time and as ex-riders we probably pick up on it much more than um the average fan to them it's it's just a part of the entertainment um to us it's it's safety really and 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 i think if we got that right and we got the the characteristics um a little bit better i think we would see better entertainment and of course increase the safety of the sport so um, yeah, look, it's something that we are speaking about. It's something that we are speaking about very much in this country. We want to um, lead the way in that and, and that will get developed over this, this season. I guess that you come from an era of Speedway where things did change, you know, going from the uprights to the laydowns yourself, Hans Nielsen, Kelvin Tatum, you were all there when things changed. So you've got really an opinion of, of how a Speedway bike can ride and can feel versus what the guys now are experiencing yeah i mean we don't need to go back that far but i would understand i mean i started on on uprights obviously and and i think probably done my first four or five seasons um, pretty much predominantly on uprights um we don't need to go back that far there, there's nothing wrong with the the lay down configuration in terms of how the bike handles when we first had them i mean i indeed i went to the very first grand prix in rutzloff back in you can probably help me with this, 95, I think it was. Um, yeah, 95, the first GP. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we practiced. We, we The Jawa company in Checo had, had just sort of put together a factory team for the first time. They'd really done a team as such. Uh, had uh, myself, Mark, Tony, uh, Hans, uh, Lee Adams, I think. And, um, and you know, we, and Thomas Golub as well, um, 
and I practiced before that meeting in the official practice on my laydowns because Jared said, look, we want everybody to ride their laydowns. Um, and my mechanics said to me, look, you've been riding well in England on your upright. Do you just need to do a few laps on that in the last session to, to convince yourself you're doing, you know, you're riding the right bike. So I said, yeah, fine. So we, we went out on the upright and I couldn't ride it. It didn't handle as well. It wasn't as nice to ride. Um, so, you know, there's no issue with, with actual laydown bikes. It's just the engine development um, because of silences predominantly that, that's come about in the last few years. So um, we get that right. I think we'll, we'll have a very good bike to ride. Okay, interesting stuff. And uh, for Ipswich then, your team building, well, I know it's, it's complete, but you're announcing riders now and already you've announced Jason Doyle and Keenan Rue back at Foxall. So uh, starting strong with the Australian contingent then. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, look, um, Richie went on record uh, at the end of last season saying he he didn't um, he wouldn't welcome sort of wholesale changes. Didn't feel it was needed to the team. Um, I agreed with him, and um, you know, obviously, Jason coming back, no brainer. He he likes being at the club. Um, you know, he says fantastic things about the club, and and that's very much appreciated because it doesn't always happen. You know, a lot of work goes into to running the club and keeping everything ship shape and, and the show on the road and uh, it's, it's nice when it's appreciated so and he's a racer through and through um he's, he's been a pleasure to deal with um in every aspect over the last couple of years um and you know i enjoy watching him race and our fans certainly enjoy watching him race and and you know why wouldn't you want a guy that's that committed to the sport the race in the club um in your in your side of the pits it makes a massive difference so um, no brainer for me um, to, to have Jason back on board and uh, Keenan. Look, he's had his his year of learning what British Speedway is about. Um, I think it opened his eyes up. I don't think it was quite what he um, expected, maybe at times, but he stuck with it. And um, you know, the second year will be will be a different ball game for him. And we certainly didn't want him, you know, to come here for one year and um, and then drop him. So. Um, no, he, you know, in our in our view, it, it was always important to bring Keenan back. And Keenan Rue, uh, you know, overall had a had a good season. Certainly on the world stage, came frustratingly close to winning a, a medal and indeed winning a world title uh, under under twenty one level with SGP two. Yeah, I mean, look, he raced at, at the, the top level for the under twenty ones, obviously in the SGP two, and. Yeah, you know, as frustrating as it, it would be for him to sort of hear again because he, he knows it, but he basically was one mistake away from a chance of winning the title because uh, Matthias Schirnack had obviously not had the meeting that he wanted in Voyens. And, um, you know, he really was that close to, to becoming the champion. So um, to, to end up actually dipping out altogether on a medal was, was obviously frustrating for him. But um, it shows what he's got and he... he it's there um, and it's it's easier for him to find on the continental tracks, which is where he's grown up and, and learned. Obviously, in Australia, you know, they're much bigger, wide open spaces. Um, and then he's raced in his, his experiences in Denmark and, of course, in Poland. So um, England was always going to be tough for him. But the, the, the way he stuck to it, the way he, he's learned, and uh, we're just looking forward to faster progression in the second year. All right. The question they're all asking, though, Chris, that everybody, I think, in British Speedway is asking, 
but particularly the Ipswich fans, is Emil Saifutinov back, Rider of the Year? Uh, if, I, if I told you that, I'd have to shoot you. So I just uh, don't, don't, don't want to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'd rather you didn't. But all, all the uh, all the, the whole team will be announced in in um, each each day. We will be announcing one rider for the next five days. So uh, all will be revealed very soon. Okay, you won't have long to wait there. Uh, make of that what you will. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris, for joining us. Always a pleasure and uh, have a nice winter. And, well, before you know it, we'll be back in action once again. Those air fences will be getting pumped up and hopefully the sun will be shining in March and April and, and they're on. Uh, well, a glorious summer would be great after, after the struggles of uh, trials and tribulations of the weather last year. Um, it was a nightmare from or pretty much from start to finish. So, yeah, a nice... A nice hot, dry summer, some decent speedway, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It did seem, I think, for many clubs this year, more than the previous season, that we're looking at weather radar more often than not and keeping an eye out for dark clouds when we're driving to Ipswich thinking this isn't going to be on, and it was on. Um, so yeah, some some great work done there, but um, yeah, better weather would be good. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of hard work. Track staff always work hard at Ipswich and um, I think we worked out there was only four or, or five fixtures that weren't um, affected by either the weather or the weather forecast. So uh, yeah, we, we um, I would very much uh, relish having a uh, less stressful season of, of looking at weather forecasts. Here's to that. Well, look, thanks a lot, Chris, for joining us. Have a good winter and um, see you in 2024. Thanks a lot. Nice to talk. Thanks, Ian. Chris Louie, board director of the BSPL and also, of course, promoter at the Ipswich Witches. Now we turn our attention in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear to the Cab Direct Championship. Pool Pirates promoter Danny Ford joins us, himself also one of the board directors at the BSPL, to shine a light on how things are going to look in the championship and the reasons for the various decisions being made, including a lowering of the points limit and, again, a greater emphasis on youth development. All that on the way in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome to this section of No Breaks, No Fear, where the emphasis is on the championship level of Speedway. And we're joined by Danny Ford, promoter of the Pool Pirates and, of course, a board director at the BSPL as well. As far as the championship goes, um, one of the big things is the lowering of the points limit. We'll talk about that soon. And that points limit is for the full seven riders. Uh, Knockout Cup BSN series remain. Um, And um, we have the same amount of teams with Workington moving into the championship to a effectively take the place of Birmingham. Um, Oxford, of course, will be operating at uh, all levels. So they've got their, uh, the cheaters will remain um, at uh, championship level. So it's going to be Berwick, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Oxford, Plymouth, Poole, Redcart, Scunthorpe and Workington. And uh, Danny, let's start by talking about the lowering of the points limit. That's one of, been one of the key changes which has affected many sides, including the Poole Pirates, where you've had to make some adjustments and had to uh, part company with one or two riders that have been with you for a little while now. So talk to us about that lowering of the points limit and what that is going to mean now for the league in, in terms of how it's going to look I'll be honest um, 38 points wasn't my preference it certainly wasn't you know um, at Paul um, we always strive you know uh, get, build to a, a higher points limit and and get as close to that points limit as we can um, from a selfish point of view we'd prefer the higher points limit but 38 
is the right number. If not, it could have even been slightly lower. Um, there's uh, been a few heat leaders who have said they're not going to ride in the championship. Um, obviously, we know the situation with a few others who won't be able to ride in the championship for other reasons. You have to bring the points limit down slightly to balance things out and almost share those top riders out. Um, I don't think... If we, it was 42, 40, I don't think every team would be able to build to that. And I think you'd have a massive gap between the guys at the top, um, the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom. Um, so while from a selfish point of view, um, we'd prefer something higher. In reality, when it came down to it, um, for the goodness of the league, um, it's, it's be- it was better to have it lower. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it means making sacrifices. We to make sacrifices in our team building but um, in the interests of, of the strength of the league we want it as competitive as possible we want every team to be um, you know uh, competitive particularly in their home meetings we don't want it you know because ultimately if, if you've got um, a massively uneven league that can cost the good teams a lot of money you know they're paying their riders per point and if you've got a, a particularly weak team coming up against a strong one and um, that's not good for for anyone's business so um hopefully um 38 um gives that good balance you've said that from a selfish point of view you'd probably like a a few more points to play with um what was the strength of feeling in order of t- to bring the uh the points limit down then because obviously that's what's happened it must have been a, a strong uh case for doing that and and what was the what was the vote split if you can share that i'd say it was probably 90 percent of the lower points limit um so well maybe 80 percent if you want to look at it like that but um uh yeah and um i think you know obviously i've got to have two, two hats on which is always difficult looking at things as a board member and someone who, you know, represents the league as well as someone who has to represent my own club and, you know, do what I think's best for my club and my supporters. So it is difficult. Um, I think overall it's, it's something we have to swallow and accept. Um, the, the, the majority of the league, that it was the number and um, that's what we got and we fully accept that. And, um, you won't see us uh, uh, moaning about it. You mentioned there that now the uh, lower points limit is going to spread around those those top guys a bit more that are left because, as you say, not every rider was going to line up in the championship anyway. There were some moving on. Um, but also this now is going to open up more opportunities for some of these younger guys, the guys that maybe at the top end of the National Development League but couldn't quite nail a place in the championship. These opportunities now are going to come the way of some of these riders and uh, new opportunities for them to make their debuts at the championship level, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. Um, you're certainly going to see probably a, a bit of an influx of those top-end nationally riders, probably the guys' seven-plus averages coming through. Um, whereas if it was a higher points limit, 40, 42, I don't think, you know, there's obviously be the one or two coming through, but um, I think we'll see a real influx of them coming through, the um, talented young guys, which is always a promise and um, it, it, it now kind of bridges that step from National League to Championship has been a huge step. Um, I think making Championship slightly weaker um, kind of bridges that gap and makes it a little bit more achievable for those young guys coming through as well as it distances the championship. 
Premiership from the Premiership a little bit more, which I think was a important goal because going back a few seasons, the Championship and the Premiership were probably too close in strength. Um, we're seeing that gap grow, particularly last year. There was a definitive gap, and I think it's going to continue growing, which um, which is good. So, um, yeah, overall. Um, I think we hopefully, obviously, it's hard to judge it at the start of the season. But what we the, the changes and the points limits that have been set across the leagues um, kind of gives a, a clear pathway through um, and progression. And um, otherwise, the the format of of the championship is fairly similar, isn't it? It's still a knockout cup. BSN series is back. Um, I guess as far as the structure goes, the big change will be, well, it's not a big change, it's kind of going back to how it was in some respects, but the uh, the playoffs is now, um, you know, a straight top four, same as, as in the Premiership. Yeah, um, I think we were all happy um, with the amount of fixtures um, that we had. Obviously, it depends a lot on progression, how many you're going to have. You know, you could probably end up having as few as 11, but... Um, you know, uh, vastly more than that if you progress in all the competitions. Um, Paul were victims last year of um, the playoff system. Uh, we, you know, we found ourselves waiting a little bit for the, the other group stage to, to be completed, um, you know, which is frustrating. Uh, um, frustrating for ourselves, our supporters and our riders, you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit and when they get riders. I think, you know, going back to the... Um, just top four um, in a 19 league. Um, it, it makes sense from a statistics point of view. And, and um, you know, uh, th- those teams have, have clearly earned it rather than, you know, a team squeezing into sixth and, you know, being in the bottom half of the table, being able to make it to the playoffs isn't, I can understand why that doesn't seem particularly um, warranted or earned. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's, um, it was a good move, and um, you know it's going to be um, it's going to make making the playoffs even more difficult for for everyone. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have some good fights. As we've we've already covered earlier in the podcast, that um, youth development is one of the key themes of this AGM, and one of the big changes that we'll see are potentially you know second halves and more of those kind of meetings. Every club is going to have to do their bit in that regard um, through the course of the season, uh, or indeed put a team in for the NDL. Um, what way do you see pool going with that, and and how do you think that's going to look for the championship? So effectively. Um there's three options for clubs to run. Um, you know, we ha- we have to be realistic. Um, running National League for a lot of clubs, including my own, isn't viable. Um, but I appreciate we have to do um, more for the youth development. Um, a lot of clubs haven't been pulling their weight in that regard, and pools pools one of them. And that that's you know, uh, I I see the criticism um, that the pool gets for not doing our bit. Um, National League just wasn't achievable for us, but um, you know the the other two options are to run the second halves, you know, so um, half a dozen to eight heats at the end of um, four to six meetings. I think we're talking about so, um, which you know obviously gives added value to our public um, on on those occasions, which is always good. Um, brings on that youth um obviously down in pool um there's not many opportunities or down in the south to be honest there's not too many opportunities to to ride speedway so hopefully that um opens up the doors a little bit more and you know gets us um a few more local lads coming through um you know we're, we're not expecting them to jump straight into championship obviously and you gotta um, work your way to it or um the third option um 
uh, staging a, a, a kind of um, Grand Prix format f- uh, event for the um, the youngsters, which um, again is a, a very attractive thing. It's a, it's a one-off, a potential one-off event where you know you can see some of the best up-and-coming youngsters. So um, it, I think it's really encouraging to see it, that everyone will be doing their part. As I said, you know, um, Paul and a few other clubs, we we aren't able to run nationally. It's it's just not something that is financially viable for us and and would put a massive strain on the club. But I think um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. And, you know, we, we know that there is a shortage of riders out there. Um, so we have to be making every effort to um, to bring that next generation through. And hopefully um, this is, is the first step um, of that. A um, couple of other rules that are changing for 2024. And these are rules that possibly... Um, you know, well, pool were without doubt sort of held back a little bit by by the rules as they were, and of course these are changing. And then talking about guests, where previously it was only your top three, now you can have it for your top five. A guest if if one of them's out, uh, and also that um, rule for the playoffs and and the final stages of major tournaments, where if you do have a guest, uh, you've got to stick with the with the same one throughout that now. So that eight day rule is going to be relaxed certainly in the uh, in the playoffs when they come round. Yeah, absolutely. I think both. Um, the changes that you've talked about, uh, 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 they seem common sense, but there are, have been reasons they've been brought in place. But um, I think now the benefits outward, outweigh, outweigh the, the drawbacks of them. Um, you know, uh, the being able to have a guess for any of your top five would have certainly helped us out last at the end of last season when we lost Anders. Um, you know, uh, and, and it's, 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 it's tough on teams, especially when you're going into the business end of the season, not having one of your team because... If um, that that rider could be you know irreplaceable, um, and I'm not saying we'd have won it last year, <laughs> by no means I'm saying that you know anything could have happened, but you know at least it gives you an option rather than just the um, the rider replacement. So that's um, a positive, and and the other rule, um, uh, you know, being able to only guess for one one team in in the playoffs, yeah, that that seems for the best interest of the sport, and you know we don't want it to look like uh, a rider's you know helping it team to make it to the playoff final one week and then knock them out of the it, knocking them out or beating them in the in the final it's it's not an ideal situation um but uh yeah hopefully this um kind of alleviates that problem a few testimonials announced um Charles Wright and Carl Howarth but uh, for you um I think it could be a busy time for testimonials at Wimborne Road because um you've got Richard Lawson's still to have which has been held over from this year and uh, also in line for one now is Kyle Newman as well who of course is departing the Pool Pirates but uh, you'll be yeah. having that at Wimborne Road will you Yeah yeah we'll be having two testimonials this season at Wimborne Road um we'll be looking to do Kyle's early on and then Richard's um just uh, probably at, towards the end of summer, um, you know, uh, we've never shied away from doing testimonials. Um, I feel that you know when a rider has been a great servant to British Speedway, both these guys have that they they fully deserve it. Um, you know, Carl's got a great history with the club over many years, and and is a he is a pool lad, um, obviously through and through. And um, you know, it's unfortunate that we weren't able to fit him in, in our team plans for twenty twenty four, but. Um, there's no animosity or, or to, I know that obviously it's um, a difficult conversation to have, but then there's, there's no hard feelings between us. And, uh, you know, hopefully that shows that by the fact that um, we'll be hosting this testimonial. Um, yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a it's a great thing to do. And likewise for Richard Lawson, you know, he's been fantastic for us for the past three seasons. Um, got a really good rapport 
with the pool supporters now. So we'll do everything we can to support them um, in in um, building up their testimonial and then um, getting that sorted. So yeah, it's um it's uh, kind of the least we can do in in that respect to guys who are great servants, um, not just to pool but all the British Speedway. And broadly, looking across British Speedway, and, and from your point of view, looking up to the the Premiership and seeing some of the riders who have already signed, and there's various rumours of who's going to sign for who, or riders who are interested in also coming back now. We are seeing quite an influx of top quality talent to British Speedway once again. We could be having six or seven Grand Prix riders racing in the top league, which is exciting stuff. Uh, do you look at that now with, obviously, great satisfaction, but... Uh, any sort of second thoughts and wishing that Paul were back at the top level as well to, to welcome some of those? Yeah, I've seen, you know, plenty of Paul fans commenting saying, God, we'd love to be going back up to the premiership because you're looking at that calibre of riders coming back across, you know, um, you know, the GP boys coming back in and, you know, you look, just look at that team that Shepard's built and you think, wow, that's, um, that, that is quite impressive with, uh, you know, two world champions, two former world champions in there as, as well as Jack who's probably, you know, one of the, top guys in the world it, it, it is exciting and you know it's, it's a shame we can't be part of it but we have to look after the future of the club um, and at the minute premiership just simply does not make sense for all um, I'm not saying that you know uh, come a year or two if, if situations change um, that it doesn't become viable and we can't look to move back up but as it stands um, you know my dad and I we have discussions at length and we feel and based on all the, all the data we have that championship works with Paul but you know it, it, it is truly an exciting going to be a really exciting season in the premiership I'm, I'm kind of excited for Oxford to be joining um, because I'll certainly be making the trip up there you know um, a little bit closer than some of the others so um, yeah that with um, you know when Ipswich and um, whoever it is Sheffield etc all in, uh, coming to town you know um, I'll be making that trip up um to Oxford to see those guys because um, yeah it's it's great to have them back in, in British Speedway and um, you know it's um, it's 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 looking good and you know you look at the Premiership and there are quite a few riders that have had time with Poole at some point or another aren't they so uh, maybe there will be not just yourself heading up from the south coast to, to see what uh, Oxford are doing at the top league exactly I think you know Oxford will probably have be having a bit of a field day um, when uh, some of those cool guys are um, former pool guys are, are, are there, whether it's riding for um, the Oxford um, Premiership team or, or or against or visiting um, Oxford. So, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity um, to see some former pool legends, and um, you know, I'm sure there's a few more um, surprises to be had. And no doubt the Pool Pirates fans listening to this will be thinking, well, we're going to get more news of the team fairly soon. Of course, you've made that one announcement already, but uh, what's the sort of timeline for for unveiling the the Pirates class of 24? We've announced Ben Cook as our first signing for 2024. Um, He takes on the role of club captain. Um, I think it goes without saying, Ben is one of the most exciting riders in the championship and... um, He's pulled for him through now, and um, this will be his fourth season with us. We've seen him grow from a, a reserve to a second string heat leader. Now he's club captain, and um, you know that's a story that we all can, everyone can get behind. You know, so um, yeah, we're um, we're, we're having to make some changes. There's been, been some really hard and you know, I guess gut wrenching decisions that we've had to make. My dad and I, um, 
it's not nice um, when you have to tell a rider that they're, they're not on your plans for um, a season. Um, it, it really isn't. And it, we have a job to do. Pool supporters um, demand success. And that's what we try, we try and bring. You know, we we want to bring silverware. We, we lost two trophies at the end of last year. Um, we we want to win them back, to be honest. Um, it, it, it's, it's not a taste we're used to too often down at pool. And um, it's certainly one we don't want to get used to because... Um, that's that's and that's why we've made the decisions we have. Um, I'm happy with the way team is going to shape up. Um, we're looking to have all of our team announced before the new year. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot to be excited about, and um, I feel that you know, pool supporters will be um happy with with what we've got, and um, hopefully, it's a team we can get behind and a team that can certainly challenge for silver. Pool have got a history, you know, through your dad through. Midlow and I guess in, in modern times with, with the likes of Ben and Zach, you know, yourself of finding this talent at the other side of the world, bringing them over here. Um, and they flourished at Poole. Of course, Poole have obviously been in, in higher leagues over the years as well. Um, but Ben Cook, along with his brother, Zach, you know, the, the latest perhaps off that production line. No one had heard of Ben Cook in 2020. And um, we got a, an email from him saying, you know, I've, I've been in the UK, I'm available. Um, for next season, um, do our due diligence. We speak to our connections over there in Australia, and um, we we took a on him. And you never know what you're going to get from one of these young Aussies. We, that season, we had two come in, and one was a success, success, and one wasn't. So, um, you know, it, it, you take the punt. It's a bit of a gamble, but um, we, we've stuck with Ben, and you know, he, it, the the risk has certainly been rewarded. And um, you know, uh, he's he's one of those riders who. Um, it's progressing at such a rate. Um, really, he sh- probably shouldn't be in the championship in the next year or two. He's he's a great rider. Uh, you know, and, um, he has got the perfect frame and build to be looking abroad. So, um, I'm sure if he has a strong season with those um, and and whoever he finishes up in the up with in the top league, he's going to um, those opportunities are going to fall on his lap. And for Midlow, and I guess also for your dad, you know, since uh, they've been in charge of the club now over the years, I think on 29 trophies over that era, falling just short of, of the magical 30, of course, but something you're looking to uh, to rectify next year. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how many Midlow and my dad are on, to be honest. It's, um, it's, it's quite a few. And I know they want to make it number. So, uh, yeah, and I think that is the next goal. So, listen, you know, we're under no illusions Um Glasgow and Scunthorpe are going to run and retain their titles, and then there's a, you know, six other teams who are going to be tough to beat. And um, lower points limit means a real shake-up, um, you know, and um, it's going to be tough to call. And I think last season we had probably five teams who were strong, um, and then four who were tailing off. This season um, we're going to see a much closer league, table, which is good for us. Um, good, good, well, good for the supporters, not so good for them. Paul, I guess, but you know, um, good for the supporters, and um, you know, uh, it will it will make things definitely, certainly uh, interesting. And one final question, if I can be so bold, can we address the Jubilee League situation? Um, came very, very close to to getting that completed uh, this year, but of course, um, hasn't happened again. Is that now going to just be, I don't know, called a draw, and, and we move on now, or uh, what's the situation there? I, I can't say, can't say for definite you're going to be seeing it. 
Um, to be honest, it, it, I, nothing has been finalised on it yet. Um, I, I think um, the majority realise that uh, doing it now just it wouldn't be the best look. Um, you know, even doing it at the end of last season wasn't ideal when we were just determined to get it done. But, you know, um, circumstances beat us on, on that occasion once again. And um, it's not an ideal situation. And I can't give you an answer that everyone's going to be happy with. Um, but that's that's where we are. <laughs> I suppose as well, the uh, reality of it is that it's not a case of just getting two teams together, uh, the two existing teams together, because they're in separate leagues now since they ended up in the final of this tournament, that they've you know moved on in very different directions now. And it uh, requires a bit of work on both sides to, to adjust the teams to balance things out as well, doesn't it? So it's not a, a straight matchup that you can run on any night, really. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to be taking on Leicester's team for this coming season um, with our team <laughs> that, that you might see a bit of a mismatch there to be honest um, in fact in fact, Stuart Dixon um, inter- uh, at the AGM did say to me that they're getting a trophy made as um, uh, joint winners of the Jubilee finals and, uh, and I said to him well you can't be doing that but um, I think he was deadly serious so <laughs> you know uh, yeah it's um, yeah, it, I'll be glad to see the back of it. <laughs> it's a case of best laid plans, isn't it? But I suppose during the course of the Jubilee League era, we've had um, two monarchs. So therefore, maybe it's fair to have two winners. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. There we go. There we go. Let's 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 just call it there and draw a line under it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to 2024 then. The season will be here before we know it though, Danny. Um, and sounds like things are going to get moving pretty rapid at the, uh, the once we get into March, maybe maybe starting slightly sooner than people might be anticipating. Yeah, I think, you know, because particularly because of Oxford, um, they're going to have to get moving really sharpish probably a week or so earlier than what we've had previously so we we've got our testimonial to do and then we'll be looking to kick off around good friday with our official fixtures so um yeah just i'm, I'm looking forward to it now i just hate this time of the year you know it's um if it, people think we're just sat here twiddling our thumbs but in fact it's probably one of the busiest times for a speedway promoter obviously once you've got the team sorted then you're trying to sort race suits and merchandise and get all sponsorship and all of that so um it's uh it's it's one of the busiest times for a speedway promoter and um i don't think that gets um appreciated too much you know everyone just thinks we turn up on race nights and things just work like clockwork um i wish that were the case but unfortunately um a lot goes into the background and uh, a lot of those foundations are set this time of the year i'm hoping to get all my my stuff sorted before christmas and then i can uh Take a little bit of a, a break between Christmas and New Year before we get started up again. You know, February, um, and we'll be back on the stadium, getting everything ready, um, getting the air fences out, and um, yeah, before you know it, we'll be um, we'll be all guns blazing and uh, yeah, going again. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Danny, and, and talking about the championship and also the Pirates as well. And uh, looking forward to seeing the rest of the team announcements soon. Thank you very much. Good speech, you. My thanks to Danny Ford of the Pool Pirates and, of course, board director of the BSPL and uh, earlier on 
Chris Louie as well for explaining things from the championship point of view. Keep up to date with everything happening across British Speedway, all the team announcements as and when they are revealed, and there's going to be quite a few of them, I think, between now and the end of the year. You'll find them all on the official channels of, of course, the clubs, but, of course, British Speedway's website as well, britishspeedway.co.uk, and uh, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Get all the news there. Keep up to date with everything happening through the course of the closed season, and then there'll be plenty of action uh, once we get going again. Before you know it, it'll be uh, March, and uh, there'll be much more to talk about, but we'll keep you up to date as and when there's anything to share here on No Breaks, No Fear. A couple of other things that you can follow over the course of the closed season if you want some Speedway podcast action. My other podcast, Humans of Speedway, is in full flow and uh, we've already got episodes with Alan Rossiter and Ben Cook on there. And uh, still to come in the next few weeks, there will be uh, podcasts with Craig Aykroyd, who's the top referee, both in British Speedway and, of course, the Grand Prix Series, and Hans Nielsen is going to be on as well. So there's something for the cold winter nights. Kelvin Tatum also has his own podcast, again with me. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, But uh, that's called Tatum Talks, so search for that on the uh, usual podcast uh, channel. So you've got Kelvin Tatum's personal uh, thoughts on uh, on how things are looking for 2024 as well keep up to date with that which we'll update through the course of the winter as well and if we don't speak before have a fabulous festive time and uh, enjoy christmas maybe santa will bring you a season ticket or, or something like that i don't know uh, and then before we know it it'll be 2024 into the new year have a great time until we speak again and uh, thanks for listening this year and supporting british speedway take care no brakes no fear the official british speedway podcast sports social podcast network